When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store. Is the new and improved Russ here to stay? Will Kevin Durant re-sign with the Thunder in the offseason? And why hasn't Anthony Morrow played more? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I can't stress enough that you should be listening to this on our brand new mobile app because it sounds so much better that way. And I know that Anthony Slater is joining us and he sounds terrific no matter where we're listening to him. And uh, we, let's not forget he's part of the, uh, the Thunder Beat writer for the Oklahoman and NewsOK.com. So Anthony, I appreciate you taking the time to talk some Thunder with us. No problem. <laughs> I love the podcast, so you know, happy to be on. Hey, well, you know, let's. Um, we're all happy today because of huge win last night uh, for the Thunder over the Clippers. Uh, it seems like it's been a little bit rare to have a, a win against a top team in the NBA this year. Well, yeah, I mean, especially since the All Star break. You know, uh, they they were zero six on national TV since the All Star break. You know, that's lost. Got blown out by the Cavs at home. Obviously, the two Warriors losses. Even though, you know, I really do think. Maybe one of their best performances of the season was the Warriors at home. Uh, they just kind of got blasted by a Steph Curry ridiculous performance, which I'm sure a lot of teams feel that way this year. Uh, the collapse against the Clippers, the loss again to the Warriors. Uh, so they needed it r- really for confidence standpoint, because I'm not huge on like, you know, one game out of 82 really mattering in the grand scheme, seeding, that type of stuff. But I just, they needed confidence, and they got it last night. Yeah, so you were around them afterwards. Uh, you know, what were they? Did they, did you feel it? Did it really seem like they might have felt like they got over a hump here? Yeah, you know, Stephen Adams even joked like, fi- you know, finally we closed the fourth quarter. Was you know, he gave a funny little fist pump. But I mean, these are these are uh, veteran guys in general. I know Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook are twenty seven, but you know, they've been battling deep into the playoffs since they were twenty two, twenty three years old. So they're not gonna oversell one win just like they always try to calm down on any type of losses. So. I mean, they're happy they got it, but they're at home against the Clippers who were on a road trip. Like, this is a game they should have won. They're favored. Uh, it, it was good to see them finally close it out. But, you know, it's not like it changed the, the perspective on this season because they beat the Clippers at home. I, I hear you. I agree. I mean, listen, it, it is a long slog. If anyone knows that, it's, it's Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So, um, you know, what I was, uh, what I took away with, and by the way, the thing that got a little bit overlooked, I felt about the Warriors' loss when the three free throws for Iguodala 
was that, yeah, they played well enough to win. They really had a good blueprint for what they needed to do to beat the Warriors. And uh, it's unfortunate they got hidden by all that stuff. But again, what we were pointing out is, you know, there were a lot of subtle sort of breakdowns in decision-making and uh, playing with a team concept, which they've struggled with. Uh, but I have to tell you, it was a really welcome um, uh, response from me this morning going through the footage of Russ and watching what he was doing because uh, he was under control. And his yeah. emotions were under control, too, where it felt like he wasn't riding it that close to that red line. Does that happen? Like, I, I guess I watch a lot of the of the the national games. I don't see every single game, so I'm wondering. Uh, my impression is he's always playing at the red line or above. What happens in games like that where he just seems to be a little bit more in a calm trance? Uh, you know, he's had a fantastic season. I think with that, I mean, you see his assists numbers this year, uh, and really, it honestly kind of dates back to uh, when Ennis Kanter got traded at the trade deadline last year. Right after that happened, they announced Kevin Durant's final surgery that was like, he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, all right, you know, they, I don't think they had any thoughts they were going to make the finals, but they still were trying to make the playoffs. Canner came in, and Westwood kind of knew he was a leader. He had to deal with three new players coming in. Uh, and he clicked right away with Canner. He, he started running the pick and roll. His assist numbers went way up. I think it really matured him because, you know, he had to answer to the media post game every game and mm-hmm. knew, you know, he didn't have Kevin Durant to lean on. Uh, as really the guy everyone wanted to go get quotes from. So I think that matured him into this season. I think most games, as you mentioned, you know, you maybe only watch the national TV games. Um, he, he, is a, he is calm. I mean, you, know, you see all the triple doubles. He had a stretch earlier in the year where, and I think this is good, I think this is when he, they're playing their best basketball. When he comes out, doesn't really shoot a lot, and gets like five, six, seven assists in the first quarter. And then it just seems like, hey, they're playing defense better. Everyone's a little bit more involved. Uh, Melted down against the Clippers. Went 0-6 in the fourth quarter last Wednesday night. Um, took that really strange three at the end. You know, remember, they're down three. They'd already really melted down by that point, but they had a chance to tie it. Mm-hmm. And he just he kind of slung up one of those uh, shots that kind of defined his career earlier. And then went to the Warriors game. I thought he played his worst game uh, of the season uh, on that night after where you thought maybe he'd bounce back. He went... 8 of 24, but it was really 6 of 22 while the game was still in the balance. Okay. One of eight from three. Durant took one three. He took eight threes. It should never be like that. Um, and then I don't know if it was self-reflection. I don't know if it was somebody in the uh, film room, but he really got back to himself Sunday in Milwaukee. He didn't take a shot in the first quarter, had five assists. Mm-hmm. Last night he only takes three shots in the fourth quarter, has eight first quarter assists. Obviously you see he had 20 in the game, 19, whatever. Um, but – you know, they are at their best when he's playing like that. But you got to I mean, this is a highly emotional guy that, like, really trusts himself. Uh, and sometimes, especially in, you know, panicky type environments, the Warriors, Oracle Arena, they're on a back-to-back. You know, the rest of the offense is maybe stagnating around him. He just, you know, he, his, like, his instinct is, all right, I got to take over. I got to take this three. I got to win this game. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it really gets the best of him. Uh, yeah, and it's frustrating only because, you know, after this many years, you would hope that it would get through a little bit more. Uh, not that you need to be Steph Curry out there. And I, I talk about yeah. Steph a lot where you kind of see him in that trance where he just seems like he's in the Matrix or something like, you know, he's channeling Neo. And um, and nothing really flaps or, fl- you know, he doesn't get, um, uh, uh, you know, nothing bothers him in, in generally. 
And yet with Russ, you know, a lot of things can get in there. And it seems like the good teams know how to push those buttons a little bit, too. You know, when Michael Jordan was was getting to, to, on those good Bulls teams, he would do a lot of that same thing where he wouldn't score in the first quarter. He would look to pass the ball, be a facilitator. If they needed it, maybe he'd get in there. And I got to tell you, what you're describing to me is this notion of Russ sort of like just getting five assists in the first quarter and not really shooting. This just makes the Thunder so much better. Yeah. Does he realize this? Yeah, I think he does. And I think that's, you know, it's funny. I think that's why it's always the first quarter. You know what I mean? Where he's like, he's thought about it and he can come out. It's right. not like, it's not a crazy environment. You know, you're just tipping off the game. You know how first how a first quarter feels compared <laughs> to a third, fourth quarter feels. Um, but it's it's what makes Russ so good. But it's also like, you know, his maybe his fatal flaw in some ways when it comes. It's just he's so competitive and like locked in. And, I mean, that's why he's dunking. Like he tries to dunk on seven footers. I mean, he. He does all this stuff that makes him maybe the most entertaining player in the league to watch. I mean, obviously what Curry's doing this year. Uh, so it's tough to take that away from him. I think he, as we've talked about, I really do think he has matured over the years. He has a lot less of these games, these instances, than maybe when he was 22, 23, 24. Uh, but he's still Russell Westbrook. And you, you hope to get through to him. You know, you hope he kind of sees it, but that's probably the key to their playoff run. Um, and, you know, I can't sit here and say he's he's going to be great. I can't sit here and say it's it's going to uh, be reverted. That's just what we're going to watch for, I think. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Coach Donovan because yeah. what I'm what, the other questions I'm asking are sort of like what effect does he really have on Russ and on KD because – you know, that is where you'd want to see some growth and some development. And it's kind of, I don't know, I, I think the jury is, is it safe to say the jury is still out on, like, whether or not it's it's been a smooth transition and he's having an effect? Yeah, I mean, I think his biggest test comes in the playoffs or in series adjustments and all, and all that stuff. And, you know, we won't know till we know uh, there. The Thunder did a good, I think they did a really good job this offseason of, they, they got Donovan, but they brought Monty Williams in, and he was kind of the Kevin Durant guy. They're from the same area of PG County. They've become really close over there. They actually think they might be related uh, going back uh, you know, <laughs> okay. this, in this weird sense. Uh, and you saw how Durant broke down after the you know the Ingrid Williams death recently. Mm-hmm. Monty's not around the team right now. It's a weird part of their struggles is Monty Williams isn't around the team. And then also this offseason they brought in Mo Cheeks, who was like, he was a Scott Brooks assistant uh, in Russell Westbrook's early years. They call him the Russell Westbrook whisperer. I mean, hmm. he's a they he's a guy that you know. I don't think he was as athletic as Russell when he played Mo Cheeks, but you know he kind of had you know he's like a kind of fiery type point guard. Um, oh, we I, know who Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks is a little bit like CP3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but so the, like Russell Westbrook, that is a voice he really respects and listens to. Um, and, and Donovan, I, what Donovan I think is very good at it is he's not he's not jealous of it or anything. Like he he promotes that he like hey Mo work with Russ. Hey you know Monty Williams works with Kevin Durant. Um, but Mo Cheeks is not with the you know he hasn't been with the team during these recent struggles because he had hip surgery. He's he's not on the bench anymore, but he's been back at practice. He's, he was on crutches. We saw him at practice joking with Russell the other day. Um, so I don't know if that has to do with maybe Russell's better play the last couple of games. But you know I I think. They have guys who can get through to him. Like I said, I think Mo Cheeks is good. You always see Donovan and Russ having, you know, friendly conversations after practice. Mo Cheeks is around. To me, a lot of it's just on Russ, like how, how he's going to play. He just needs to, like, fight off that tick to just, hey, nine on the clock, nobody's moving. I'm shooting a 28-footer. 
Yeah, oh, because I said that the other day on Twitter where, you know, he's shooting, I think it's still below like 30% from three. Yeah, and a, he's a guy that doesn't understand he's a 30% three-point shooter. Okay, so the, so interesting. So that's, that's you don't think that happens in the in the film room where they're like, listen, if it's not, if it's if there's more than six seconds on the clock, don't take it. It's, I think they do. I mean, I've talked to Donovan, I mean, and when I'm talking to him, he's saying it publicly so it can get back to Russ, but he, he you know, he says, he thinks he's a good shooter when it's catch and shoot. And, you know, I, I haven't deeply looked into the numbers, but, you know, he's not terrible when it's just like swing, swing, and he's the open guy. It doesn't happen much just because the Thunder offense isn't usually swing, swing, and Russ is the guy that's waiting on the wing. Mm-hmm. He's usually obviously uh, doing it. But, you know, when he's set, when, when he's open, you know, they're fine with him shooting those. It's just those, those early in the clock ones. Uh, you know, even nine on the clock when it's like, hey, just get to the rim, even though everything's breaking down. You know, I think they, they mention it to him, but he relapses. I remember last year he had, a, I think he went like one of ten in the game from three, and, you know, he even said, I, you know, I can't be taking that much. But, you know, some of it I think is on the offense at times, which, you know, it has had better ball movement, I think, overall this season, but especially late in games. It just kind of it, it slogs around him. It, and he's the one with the ball in his hands that has to say, you know, something's got to happen. He's mm-hmm. got to take the shot. I think he, he should try to get to the rim more. But, I mean, even that, sometimes he just barrels his way to the rim, and those aren't great shots either. Yeah. Um, so sometimes he's in, because of what the offense is, because of what the personnel is, he's kind of just forced into doing the stuff that you break down on film that looks bad. But it's bad on him, but it's also kind of bad on the four players around him that aren't doing much. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's interesting because it's like, well, who is doing what about it and what is, or not doing it about it? Because, we, yeah, we have seen a little bit of the Donovan, you know, uh, thing that we broke down before he got there from Florida, like some of the good stuff of his offense, a little bit. But uh, certainly there's a, and a, probably a very natural reversion back to like maybe what they were used to, which, you know, before under Scott Brooks, for however much they got action and movement, it was pretty stagnant in those fourth quarters. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. And so it's natural, I guess, but at some point, like, well, that, that's why I get critical of the Thunder probably more than other teams is because clearly the crucible that we're looking at them through is, you know, against the Spurs and against the Warriors. I don't care if they're going to beat up on the, on the, the Bucks. Yeah. No offense to the Bucks, but, you know, yeah. you know, they're a top 10 offense. You know, they're feasting on the bottom 20 defenses. And so that's, why I think, what gets me in trouble with a lot of the Thunder fans is that um, they just call me haters because I want to hate them. I'm like, no, they, they, they clearly accept the burden, I'd imagine, of a title contender. And I'm now going to look at them <laughs> as a title contender. Well, I mean, and it's, and it's the year they have. I mean, this is like the panic year. Yeah. Uh, just with, with everything coming up with Kevin. The one thing I'd say about their offensive movement uh, – is there, I mean, it's it's kind of personnel-driven. You know, they don't have an Andrew Bogut at center who can, you know, throw alley-oops. You know, they got Steven Adam who's kind of like catch, pass. Catch, you know, he, he's not fluid with it. Serge Ibaka is like, you know, he's really good at a few things, which is mid-range shooting, deep shooting, and then shot blocking. But he's not a good passer. Uh, Andre Robertson, I mean, he's not Andre Iguodala out there that can kind of just, you know, make plays. Some of it's just personnel-driven. Like, these guys have to make the passes in all the plays because they're the only ones kind of capable of doing it. Maybe it's a flaw in roster construction, I think, especially at the wing. Uh, it might be a flaw in roster construction. But they're just – they can never play like the Spurs because they just – they don't have the guys. 
You know, it's funny because when you say that, I start thinking, okay, you know, Singler should be that guy where they're running, you know, and they're, they're flipping the ball across, you know, uh, they're, they're getting swing and they suck in the defense and then boom, there's Singler wide open or even Foy, uh, you know, I mean, and then, then Cantor can pop up for the mid range. So part of me feels like, at least offensively, they, they, there is a, a path to getting there. Whether or not Donovan can figure it out and whether or not Durant and Russ want to do it or can do it, you know, I don't know. I mean, again, there's a million ways that this could all go. And I feel like there, there are some alternate realities, which is a little frustrating to me because, because when you end up seeing what you do get sometimes against, you know, those, those teams, you know, they, 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 there is more out there. I feel like they're leaving on the table. Yeah. Well, I think one of the issues is like, you know, you mentioned the feast on the bottom feeder. Problem was that's like all they played in the first half. You know, they had, I think they had the weakest schedule in the league uh, yeah. up until the All Star break. Things were looking really good. You know, their assists are up this year. I mean, I I think their passes per game are still like bottom in the league. But I mean, there was a lot more movement. You know, Russ is averaging over ten assists per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything was looking good. But they hadn't been put in these binds that these good defensive teams are, you know, going to put them in. They're starting to since the All Star break. I think you're seeing them work through these issues where. You know, they work through it in practice, and it looks good early. I mean, they've had some great starts in these games. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've. I think all three games against the Warriors, they, like, burst it out to, like, you know, a 9-10 point lead. And then as the game goes on, Steve Kerr's figuring things out. As the defenses are clamping up, they kind of revert. They, they kind of panic a little bit. I, I, I think they want to do it. You know, you hear Donovan all game, you know, move, move, pass, pass, come on, cut, cut. And, like, it's just like – they're so young in their life of the of trying this, and, and the personnel is just, it's not Boris Diaw at the four. Right. You know, it's not it's not these guys. So like I don't think it's a lack of um, desire to do it. I just I just think they're they're just young in their like I said they're young in their life of this and and they haven't faced the teams that have really challenged them. That's why I think these struggles have been good for them. They're facing the Spurs three times in the next month starting Saturday night. I think it's going to be great for them. Um, just you know as they prepare for the playoffs because if there's any team that's going to make you tri- you know do yeah. that it's the spurs yeah and we're going to get a real get an, another really good sense of where they are yeah. after today last night's game and then this game so you know I, i've also gotten tired of talking about how i think russ should be a two guard um however it's been a little bit curious to me were you around covering the team when maynard was on the team around i wasn't like the beat writer but like you know i'm very well uh, versed in okay because I remember I did breakdowns then. When they would put Maynard in with Russ, there, yeah. there was a different team, and it ran differently. And by the way, when Harden was there and able to do that, it was different as well. Um, so why doesn't – it seems to me that Coach Donovan is focused on playing Foy and, like, waiters together as opposed to, like, Foy as, like, the pseudo point guard and Russ as the two guard or interchangeable. Is that yeah. – am, am I misreading that? It's it's changed lately because they're doing this staggering rotation, which you know everyone called for. It is the right move to make sure Russ and KD are on the court at all times. And within that move, they basically made Kevin Durant the backup point guard. It's it's worked a lot in his assists lately, but his turnovers have been way up. Um, so they're, they're kind of still fighting through that. Personally, I'd like to see Cameron Payne uh, get more minutes, get minutes alongside Russ where he's ball handling. We saw that some early in the season. Um, but the thing is, like, it's just who they are. It's how they built their team. Russell is their starting point guard for good or bad, for you know his flaws and all his strengths. Um, I, I'd like to see him play a little too. I, maybe even when Cameron Payne's not out there, you can give Kevin Durant some more ball handling uh, you know, responsibilities. But 
Yeah. I mean, you know, when, we, when we saw, you know, Kevin Durant, when Russell was out and Durant won the MVP, yeah, yeah we saw pretty much a facilitating guard at 6'10", or whatever, however tall he is, doing that. He was really good at it. And, uh, and that frustrates me because I feel like there's a lot of deferring to Russ when they could be a better balance. Um, and so and then so I thought when Foy came in, and the other thing I thought with Foy was that he'd take some of Waiters' minutes. Um, although, did Waiters play last night? Well, uh, his brother died. Oh, my goodness. So he was not there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's away from the team right now. Uh-huh. So, I mean, when he's back, he'll, he'll play his, his 25 minutes. I mean, that's the, that's the flaw of this team. I mean, whichever, it's just the two guard. Um, you know, he, it's, you almost feel like a lot of people say don't play waiters as much, but I mean, I know he's not known for this, but you know, he's their best, like, well, Robertson's their best two way defender, but he's so hard because what he does to the spacing waiters is like a pretty sturdy on ball defender, um, gives them a decent, they just don't have many options at that wing. And then the problem is when they play a team like the warriors, they'd love to keep Steven Adams and you know, Serge Ibaka on the court and play Ennis Canner a lot, but the Warriors just downsize you so much that you got to play more wings, give them more minutes, and give, you know, pull Steven Adams and Ennis Canner off the court. And that just kind of erodes things as well. But I'm, I know what you're saying with Waiters, but I just don't know who's getting their minutes. Like, Randy Foy hasn't really done much since he's been here. Kyle Singler, he was a disaster early in the season. He's been better lately, and now he's getting more minutes. So, um, I just don't know where waiters' minutes go. Here's my answer. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Well, we had an Anthony Morrow sighting last night. And here's the thing. Well, I was looking at his stats, and he was one for five from three-point land and two for two from the free-throw line. Not, nothing exciting. Yeah. But a plus 11 in the plus-minus. Now, I know that's a very small sample size, and we all want to dismiss this, but there's, there's something to be said about the, the positive impact that he has simply by spacing the floor, even yeah. if he's not making those shots. And, and also, I don't think he's a terrible defender. So explain to me why he's been so far down the bench he's barely been able to sniff any playing time. Uh, he's, he is not a good defender. Um, he, it's just, <laughs> it's just his, like his hips don't move well. He's just not very athletic. you know. Okay. And, and it just seems to me that teams uh, identify him and always get him in the pick and roll. They get him with Steph or Clay Thompson. And, and guys just go by him. Jamal Crawford just will just scoot right by him. Um, I, I kind of agree with you. I think he should play more. The spacing is a huge thing. Um, it's really this year, I don't know if it should come down to this, but what it has come down to has been Kyle Singler. Him. It started with Singler early in the year. He really struggled. He was banished for a while. Morrow played well. He was shooting well for a while, then he kind of struggled shooting. And then when he started to not shoot that well, it was like, well, then why is he on the court? Singler came back. He's been playing a little bit better. I mean, all that's the thing with this team. All of these options have their strengths and their clear weaknesses. And it's, you know, it's tough because the weaknesses show when they play. So then you go, hey, they, you know, you should get Mora out there. And then he starts playing for a while and you start to see his weaknesses. And then you're like, well, who, who can we go to instead? And it's just somebody else with a weakness. Well, how about this? Because I haven't really, I've, I think I heard one Serge Ibaka audio interview in my life. And I'm just kind of curious, since you're around the team so much, um, is there any kind of like a language barrier with him, or does he speak completely fluent English? He, he speaks four languages pretty fluently. Okay. Um, good. I mean, like, he's not fantastic as far as like an interview or like really, uh, but I mean, you communicate with him very easily. And the reason why I ask is that it's been a pattern I've seen, and it's hard when you're not the games, but if you see it on TV, you can imagine it might happen more often than what you're getting glimpses of, of 
where he clearly doesn't look like he's going in the right spot on offense. Yeah. And then you see him getting yelled at, you know, as they're going into the commercial or pointed in wild gesticulations. And so I, I've always wondered if that was part of the reason why maybe the offense had to be a little bit simpler because he just seemed to struggle with knowing where to go. And then I thought maybe it's a thing where he's not understanding the language. But what do you think? Is, do you notice that? Yeah, no, for sure. It's I don't think it's like a language thing. I just think, you know, some players pick it up or are super, you know, great at that stuff. Just like, you know, quarterbacks are great. Point guards are great at, like, picking that up. Russell knows where everyone needs to be at all times. Uh, Serge is just, I don't know, he's more like of a, a robotic type player uh, that's really trained himself to be. Like, he tr- he made himself a good jump shooter, but he just sits in the gym and, you know, he's got, you've seen his jumper. I mean, it's yeah. the exact same form every time. And it, it's a great looking jumper just because he made it into that. Um, you know, his athleticism, I think he's good on defense, but I mean, you could just see it with his passing. That's what we were kind of talking about earlier. You know, it's why he's not. He's not catching and swinging or, like, you know, making a quick move. It's always, like, you could tell it's just stuff he tr- he drilled himself in the gym, which is, like, catch. I, oh, I worked on the pump fake lately. Pump fake. Yeah. You know, one dribble in, you know, pass. It's just, I, you know, I, I just think it's kind of a flaw in his game that at this point is is never going to be fixed. I think where you see it maybe the, the most is everyone always talks about why can't he post up, get in the post. Uh, but the problem is, if there's people around him, if he's making decisions in traffic, if he's being doubled, he needs to know where the help defender's coming from. He just he, he can't really make those quick in-traffic decisions. They know it. The, I mean, Scott Brooks, who I want to say he was criticizing him, but Scott Brooks was never really critical of his players. Even he'd be, when people would talk about, hey, why doesn't Serge post more? He's like, look, he's just not, he's not a guy we want making decisions and passes from the post. Yeah, that's that's too bad because you, you you figure I think he came to basketball a little bit late in life. Uh, is that right? Uh, you know, I think he played it a lot. It, it was just, I mean he's from Congo and you know he, he now plays for the Spanish national team. I mean he played it, but I just don't know like how great the coaching was and just like you know he had a tough early life. I'd say that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because I feel like that's the other, that's one of the other things that you get nervous about because it allows the other teams to hide, you know, maybe a, a worse defender that might not even be near his size on him, knowing that he's going to spot up and that could, you know, a six four guard, you know, he could put a hand up and do well enough, yeah. I suppose. Um, and that's that's an interesting issue there. Um, you know, so overall here we're moving toward a different direction. You know, with new coaches in there, you know, maybe we're getting a different Russ, which is exciting to me. Um, does that all lead to Kevin Durant? Like, like, well, let me ask you this. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook are best friends, right? That's sort of what we're presented with a lot of the time, right? Good friends. Okay, uh, good. I'd say, like, um, very – they respect each other in an incredible amount because you got to remember, they, they're, they're the exact same age. They came to Oklahoma City at the exact same time and were told, like, you are the two, build this franchise. Like, this is – they, they didn't have history behind it. They didn't have seasons behind it. It was like, no, an NBA team has never been in this city. Like, can you two build it up? And together, they went from 3-29 and 29 their first season, shocking playoff run, suddenly to the finals in 2012. Like, you know, those two together. And then the Harden trade, which is adversity. Uh, Westbrook gets two or three knee surgeries in a year. That's really adverse for him. Kevin Durant gets to see what it's like without Russell, which is like he played well, but they couldn't win it all. And then Kevin Durant goes down and has three foot surgeries, and Russell kind of sees what life's like without Kevin. And, um, you know, they've just been through so much together eight years building a franchise. You know, 
for good or not, they read stuff, they watch first take, that you know, they see all this stuff and the criticism of each other. Uh, you know, he doesn't have heart. You know, he takes bad shots, but whatever. I mean, often it's it's fair, especially for a guys that want to be MVPs and stars. But through it together, they've like built a bond. I wouldn't say they're best friends. Like they do hang out on the road. They're cordial. Um, they're they're entering different stages of their life. Russell's married now. Uh, Kevin has his group and posse but they're very respectful of each other um okay. best fr- best friends is probably bold but you well you, you could probably figure out where i'm going with this which is the notion yeah. of you know if it is that the kind of draw that's going to keep him you know re-signed in oklahoma city for a year or for longer or whatever like you know what, are there any tea leaves that you can read for us yeah i mean look i don't think kevin knows what he's doing yet i i, I truly think he wants to take because he didn't do it five years ago. He just signed, he signed the extension. He didn't take any visits. He just you know signed on, no opt-outs. I think he, and he's even said this, like he kind of wants to experience free agency, go to other organizations, like hear pitches, that yeah. type of stuff. Um, to me, and you know, this has been written about a ton, obviously, but the, the one-year deal just makes the most sense to me. Because like, let's say he even wants to come back for the Thunder long-term. He decides, hey, I want to be in Oklahoma City long-term. It wouldn't make sense to sign a five-year or four-year deal because Russell's up next year, and you would risk having four of those five years without Russell Westbrook. Um, and then obviously, all the, you know, he can make 30 more million over the life of a contract if he just gets back into free agency the year after. Uh, maybe a team wows him, but I think the thing, you know, everyone talks about Lakers, Knicks, uh, that type of stuff. To me, if you're Durant, don't you just say, hey, you guys keep building for another year. I'm not going to waste my 28-year-old season building it up with D'Angelo Russell or Christoph Porzingis. I'm going to chase another title in Oklahoma City. You guys get better and older, and maybe I'll come the year after. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what's going on in L.A., by the way. Um, okay, yeah. let's, that's interesting. Let's play that out for a second because next year, let's just pretend, you know, they get a really great draft pick. They hold on to their top three pick, and they get, I mean, who knows if it's Simmons, but I think Simmons is transformational. What if they got Simmons? What if Randall and those guys all get better again? They uh, they get into the playoffs next year, and they're fun. You know, is that like, where, what are we talking about here for, for Durant to pull that trigger? Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. Uh, he, stuff like that has to happen to me for him to decide to go there because regardless of market or this or that, like he wants to win. He, he's not going to waste his 28, 29-year-old season mm-hmm. uh, trying to be a four seed and like you know show some promise. He, he, he needs to win now in, in the middle of his prime. Um, so, you know, or even, you know, you mentioned it, Russ, Westbrook might be a guy that decides to go to L.A. I mean, they're all free agents in 2017. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell's the – point guard of the future there uh but you know i think they're interesting i think with the porzingis thing the knicks would have to hit on another pick i don't even know if they have their first round pick i actually don't think they do uh so so that's a little less likely but you know situate that that's what to me why i think the one year thing makes sense in like every single avenue is i'm not sure there's a situation out there unless you want to argue the warriors because i mean that is the place to go win i just don't know if he wants to do that legacy wise um I, I think it'd be wiser for him to kind of let other situations kind of formulate. Yeah, I, yeah listen, I'm sure it's a fun ride to go visit and get the, the full treatment, you know, across yeah. multiple teams, you know, and, and to get a sense of that. Because, you know, it seems like what you said was, you know, he got to Seattle, I think, for the last year, and he's only known this organization pretty much. Um, and that's the other thing I thought was interesting about him playing with Russ and only playing for a year in college 
was that, you know, my frustration with Russ and the way he played with KD was the the idea that maybe KD had never really played with a with a with a true point guard that's going to hit him on the numbers right when he's open and you know not going to take wild shots. Um, I think that uh, that's sort of not a that's a moot point because of the Team USA stuff, right? Like he's played with that now with Chris Paul, so he has a sense of what that's like. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know I think Russell's been better with it, and you know Russell sat out a lot, and you know they get him minutes without. Russ on the court. I understand. Like, there's obviously you no know, Chris Paul's backing up uh, right. Russell Westbrook, but I don't. I mean, in his mind, he like I think he he's like LeBron in some ways, where like he kind of wants to be the point guard sometimes, or you know, I I don't know. I I think uh, I don't think like he he's feeling like he has to go play with somebody that you know, has a great point guard, I think he just got to go somewhere where he thinks he can win a title. Like, if he went to the Warriors, everyone talked about the Warriors, if he wants to play with Steph Curry, that's not your prototype, typical point guard that's, you know, it's not like Mike Conley out there is going to get him on the numbers, that type of thing. He just wants to win. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, can't, I won't lie to you. The notion of him maybe going to a Golden State and playing in that offense, Yeah, uh, you know, that it would, it, it would be – I don't think I don't know what, we, what would happen, but it would it would certainly blow people's minds. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean it would be like I mentioned. He wants to win. I mean that is where he could go win. The only thing that makes me question that is just like you know, does he at, at 28 years old does he want to go be the number two, number three piece uh, right. for a team that's established that's going to have the two time MVP that might be a two time title right. winning team. To me, that just seems more like a move that a 35-year-old Kevin right. Durant makes, not a 28-year-old. Yeah, and it's kind of like what Iguodala sort of did. What do you yeah. make of this, though? Because I was talking with this the other day about, about the Russ and the KD. With, when Russ was injured for like half the year, maybe more than half the year, KD goes on that run, wins the MVP. They, you know, he, he kind of conks out at the end there by, by, out of sheer exhaustion. But you know, they went into the playoffs and got, I think, the second round, right? Um, so, uh, I- they went to the uh, conference finals, lost oh. in six to the Spurs that year. You're talking yeah, okay. about Kevin's MVP year, right? Right. So he dragged them to the conference finals. He got to six games. He clearly, like, could barely walk. It looked like he was that tired by the end. But without KD there, Russ takes over. Does have a, a pretty impressive season, but they don't even make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, Russ was back for that playoff run. He was hurt pretty much all the year. Kevin won the MVP, but by the playoffs, he was back. Oh. He was- Right. He, he he outplayed Chris Paul. I mean, in the second round, he really outplayed Chris Paul. Uh, he outplayed Mike Conley in the first round. Not that that's like a you know a huge thing, but I remember he had a steal, picked him, went went uh, the mm-hmm. distance. Really outplayed Tony Parker in the conference finals. Kevin was tired. Uh, I I think that get, that season was good for his growth, his playmaking. We've talked about, which is going to really matter now that they're staggering. He's really got to cut his turnovers down. That's been the issue lately. Uh, but he can still pass. I think it's been good for him. But I also think you mentioned him being tired. I think the slog of that season, um, you know, kind of made him appreciate Russell a little bit more. He had Reggie Jackson, but Reggie Jackson wasn't what he is right now. Well, that's the thing that kind of frustrated me, too, because when you're looking at what they might need, Reggie Jackson's the guy they need, right? Like, yeah. He could have been. But I guess here's the issue, and it sounds like also the issue with Harden was that, you know, he was, he was sabotaging his way out. He he did not want. Reggie did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was it was bad at the end. I mean, the whole environment was bad that yeah. season. It was last season because of uh, injuries. You know, Durant was frustrated. He was trying to get back from the foot. 
like the whole team got injured. It was a crazy season. I don't know how much you remember it, but right. Uh, and then there, you know, there's the story of Reggie. Uh, you know, he had an ankle twist that he probably could have played through, and they only had seven guys active, and like Russell was out, so he could have been the starting point guard. Basically, like you can shoot as much as you want. We just need players. Uh, and he, it, it's kind of come out later that he he kind of refused to play because it was like his trade demand oh. uh, for a game. You know, they. I really think they thought Reggie was going to be the future there. He used to write SPG on a shoe, starting point guard, uh, even though Russ was obviously the point guard. It just it didn't work out. I, I'd say the only question mark there is when they traded Reggie, they got Ennis Canner, who's a big, but it's become pretty clear they need a wing. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just that's just the life in sports. It's the same thing with Harden. I mean, he's a guy who just needed his own team. Like in a in an ideal world, yes. They, imagine if James Harden was on this team and and willing to play a six man role. You know, they'd be incredible. But it's just it's just not really how sports works. Yeah, it's too bad because there again there are alternate universes where you could have had all those guys play in start together, right? You could have yeah. had Harden, Durant. Uh, well, I mean, it's weird because then Durant has to be the power forward, but but still, you could you could have found. I mean, in my mind, okay, let's just pretend the Harden thing was over because of the, that. It just seems like why couldn't Reggie and Russ have started together? Why couldn't that have been the thing? Yeah, I guess the thing there. Uh, he says it was starting, but to Reggie, it was it wasn't just starting. It's like I need to control the ball. I mean, if you look at all the numbers right now on like dribbles uh, or seconds per touch, and yeah. like you know all the numbers that Russ is really high on. Reggie's really high on them, too. And James Harden's really high on them. And Kevin Durant wants to hold the ball. These are, like, four of the most high-volume, like, have-to-touch-it, isolation-type players in the league. I mean, people talk about not moving the ball now. If you got those four on the team, they all want clear-outs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it like, it would be great, but at the same time, like, Reggie wasn't going to be Reggie here. James Harden wasn't going to be James Harden here. They could, if they wanted to be Manu Ginobili, and if they were comfortable yeah. being Manu Ginobili, they could, but they just weren't. Great, really great points. And you know, that's the thing that people don't pay attention to enough is the chemistry and the locker room interaction as well. Where you know you get caught up in all the numbers, and you're like, of course, this five should be playing together because they look so good. But then you know, behind the scenes and what stuff we're talking about, you realize that uh, it isn't so simple, and you need to, you really need to keep an eye on that. And I feel like some teams have gotten burned by that. Maybe like the Rockets or maybe even the Clippers, or they try to yeah. bring guys in and shove them right in. And it's just uh, they don't have any sense of, like, how he might fit in in the locker room. Yeah, for sure. Uh, continuity's huge. I mean, uh, you just see it sometimes with, with new lineups. Uh, you know, you mentioned it. I mean, I think the Rockets are, are a great example of a team that, you know, almost at times views players as, like, math equations instead of, you know, <laughs> how, how they fit into yeah. the teams. But, you know, it, it's good and bad, too. I mean, I there's probably times over the years that Thunder could have got a piece that maybe put him over the top, but, you know, they're very wary about it because, you know, hey, he might cause a chemistry issue where if they pulled the trigger, who knows, you know, you you can't look back on it now that it hasn't happened. But maybe a guy comes in, uh, you know, whoever it is, comes in and, and puts him over the top. Who knows? Right. I mean, it's safe to say that with the personalities on the team, you know, that you have to be aware of that because of, uh, of the large personality of, of Russ, for instance, right? That's a, that's a big yeah. personality in the locker room that, that, that would be, right? That's, you have to be aware of that when you're looking at other players, I'd imagine. Yeah, for sure, especially earlier. You know, I think he's better now. Okay. Um, you know, Kevin, just ba- basically with any of it, it, I don't know, it, for good or bad, it's just kind of like how they run their organization. You know, uh, they, 
they're big. Like they never, uh, you know, they haven't really had a guy arrested. One time they had DeAndre Liggins uh, get a domestic violence thing. He got cut like immediately. I mean, he was a bit player, so it didn't really matter. But like, mm-hmm. they're big on they're big on uh, character, chemistry type stuff. And you know, like I said, that may that may have burned them as far as talent goes over the years. So, but but there's just there's no way to know uh, how it could have played out. Well, I, I do know from our conversation how it played out, which was a fantastic insights into what's happening with the Thunder, and uh, I'm excited to find out what's going to happen, and maybe we'll have to check in with you like you know later on before the playoffs and see uh, where we're at. Yeah, it's, it's a mildly interesting times uh, for the Thunder. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, I suspect it'll be a different conversation the next time we meet up. So, thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on the show. Uh, just tell us real quick where we find you on Twitter. Uh, at Anthony V Slater, that's uh, you know V as in Victor, um, is on Twitter, and then yeah, write for the Oklahoman and, and NewsOK.com if you're looking for my work. Perfect. Well, make sure to follow him and keep up on what's going on in the locker room, on the court, and everything else with the Thunder. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Anthony? I'm in. <laughs> Always in. All right. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store.